You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. Have you ever been driving down a road on a long road trip? And while you're on that road trip, you uh, look down at your GPS and you see the time to beat. That's how I look at my GPS. And as I'm trying to beat that time and get to the destination that I'm trying to get to, I realize that I have no margin if I'm going to get there and actually be on time for the meeting or whatever it is that I'm trying to get to. So I don't have time to stop. I don't have time for traffic. I don't even have time to do what I love to do, which is to pull off and go to the rest area. Because everybody that knows me knows that's my favorite place to stop. And yet I'm driving with direction and I'm trying to get to the destination and, and I'm, I'm on my way driving the speed limit of course and all of a sudden out of nowhere there's this fog that moves in and, and visibility isn't just impaired and visibility isn't just messed up for a little while like I, I can't see anything it's eliminated so what do you do well, good morning, church. Welcome to In Focus. We're glad that you're with us here on Vision Sunday. See what I did there? Lost visibility, Vision Sunday. Can I be honest with you? As I was writing this this week, I didn't even really make the connection until I actually typed it. I was like, hey, that's pretty good. But God, right? Woo, thank you, Jesus. So, Anyway, welcome to those of you who are here in person and also to those of you who are joining us online, which over the course of the morning, in case you didn't know, could be well over 400 people that are watching us live online, which is a new normal for a lot of people post-COVID and post all of the stuff that we went through last year, but we want to keep finding more effective ways to reach those that may not be here for whatever reason with the gospel and the opportunity God's given us with the kingdom of God. So it's not going away, it's just something that's now been added to what we do. So I said today is Vision Sunday. We just finished a six-week series called Awesome God. And the next week, we're going to start a series entitled Lament, the, the language of exiles. But today, I want to encourage you and us in fulfilling the purposes that God has for us as a people. Did you know that God has a purpose for his people? And it's not my purpose. It's not my individual desire. It's God's desire, and it's God's purpose for us, his people, that we're supposed to fulfill. As a matter of fact, the reason that I say this is because Proverbs 19, 21 says, many are the plans of a man. All of us have a desire, and all of us have these plans that we want to follow through, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. All of us have these ideas. These things we want to accomplish. And in order to fulfill God's plan, we must have a God-given vision. In order to fulfill the purpose that God has for us, we have to have his vision for our life as a church. A God-given vision helps us intentionally live in our God-given purpose today. It's a vision that God gives us so that we can walk out what God has for us in this moment. And today I'm asking God to give you a glimpse of your future in Christ and our future together as his church, which I believe are inseparable. You can't have an individual vision for your life that is not tied to the corporate vision of the body of Christ. That's how God works. They are tethered together forever. 
So we need to see what God sees for us, the body, so that we could get to work accomplishing all that he has purpose for us, the body of Christ in the earth today. There are a few components to a God-given vision that I've mentioned over the years, and what I mean by that is a holy discontent for the way things are matched by a holy determination to help and to make things right. I'm discontent with the way things are, and it's something that God puts in our hearts holy and divinely, but now there's something more than that. Now there is a divine determination, a holy passion to make things right as God says they're right. And I mentioned this last week. How do we do that? We remember correctly while looking forward prophetically so that we can stay committed missionally to God's divine purpose for the church. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time remembering correctly today because in large part, that's something we should do every time we open our mouth in worship like we just did corporately. When we gather together corporately, in large part, what we're doing is declaring who God is and remembering him correctly. God, you are faithful. why, Why do we do that? Why do we sing that way? We remember the faithfulness of God in the past to encourage our perseverance in the present. I remember all the things that God has done in the past to help encourage me to persevere right now. God, you've done this before and you can do it again. God, you're more than able. God, you've been faithful even when I've been faithless. You're an awesome God. Your name is holy. Go through all the things that we talked about in his character and his attributes over the last week and we remember and we sing and we pray, God, this is who you are. More specifically, we can also recount his gracious acts on our behalf. For his glory as individuals, what has he done in your life? And then also as the body of Christ, what has he done in the church? The lies, think about it. You think over the the, the course of the last two years, three years, five years, 10 years, 20 plus years that I know that I've been around this particular body of Christ. What has God done? The lies that have changed, the people that have been saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, the marriages that have been birthed and the ones that have been restored and saved, the bodies that have been healed, the addictions that have been broken, the missionaries and the ministries that have been supported and the children that have been fostered and adopted, the wrongs that have been the leaders that have been raised up, I'm not done, the nations that have been served and loved, the churches that have been planted, the people who have grown in their love for Christ and their love for one another, despite their differences in their age and in their ethnicity, which has allowed us to build a relational community of beauty under the banner of Jesus Christ. I also remember the words of God that he's given us in the past, the encouragement that he comes and brings to us time and time again, Sunday after Sunday, to remind us who he is, to remind us who we are, and more importantly, to remind us whose we are, that we belong to him. He reminds us that he who began a good work in you is going to be faithful to complete it. And I remember his promises in his word. That he reminds us Sunday after Sunday that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, his church, that he is building. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. As we said, said last week, God brings messages from his messengers, if you will, through his word time and time again. Each and every Sunday, we've got a message from God through his word, through particularly in this case I get to be a messenger whoever stands up here behind this podium gets to be a messenger of God's word and it's more than for us to just say well that was a good word brother no it's so that we can apply it to our lives and not just on Monday oh I remember God God was speaking to me yesterday and it was just for today did you know that God could speak to you today and it could be for three years down the road if you'll apply his word to your life 
So I think about even Vision Sunday as it relates to this particular church, this this. These words that God has given us over the last four, five, six years, whenever it was that we started our first quote-unquote Vision Sunday. So just like this vintage sweatshirt that I'm wearing, yeah, it's loud, but, but it's lit, right? And it's got, I can't come down. Why? Because that was from a, a mantra of our church. It's actually been kind of the, the, the mantra of my life as I followed Nehemiah, and that's one of the first messages I ever preached some 20-plus years ago, that, that I can't come down. I'm busy doing a great work, Nehemiah 6, and I can't come down from the work God's called me. If you were around, maybe you remember that from Vision Sunday 2016 or 2017 when we, God gave us a word to, hey, if you want to catch the fish, then you're going to have to push the boat out and go where it's deeper. Maybe you remember that word if you were here, and then he's telling his disciples, go out where it's deeper. Well, we don't fish out there. I'm telling you, go there. If you're going to do greater things for God, then you've got to go into some places that you've never been before. Or maybe you remember the word from 2018, strengthen my hands, oh God. Strengthen my hands so that I can hold on to you, God, because you'll never let go of me. But strengthen my grip so I don't lose grip on the things and the places that you've called me to go and the work that you've given me to do. Don't let me lose my grip. Give me strength, God, your strength in the middle of my weakness, because the closer I get to God's divine destiny, the enemy's attacks will often grow in intensity. Or last year. Put on the doors. A lot of you were here last year, Vision Sunday, before we had an idea of what 2020 was going to look like. The room was full, 1,300 plus people excited about the new things and the new building. And here's exactly what I said at some point during the message, and I quote, 2020 last year, as I look at where we are as a church, The project that we're about to complete, because it wasn't quite done, all the other stuff, I felt the Lord saying, put on the doors. Finish what you started. There may be an uptick this year in opposition, but don't be distracted. Don't be deterred. Don't be intimidated. Put on the doors. Now, if 2020 was anything, it was certainly an uptick in opposition. An uptick in opposition uh, uh, that tried to deter, that tried to distract, that tried to intimidate us, we, me, from doing what God has called us as a church to do. It was like we were driving along, headed to our divine destination, pedal to the metal, and we hit a fog so thick that we lost visibility. Well, what do we do? Stop? Slam on the brakes? Quit? Blame the fog on the church. Blame the fog on the car next to me. Blame the fog on the meteorologist. And we love when we blame the weather on the weatherman or the weather person, right? Like they've got anything to do with it. But watch this. Visibility matters. And it's hard to stay committed to a mission when you can't see any results. It's hard to look forward prophetically when all visibility is gone presently. But when you can't see what God is doing Go back to what he has said. 
So God, we're going to keep going where you have us going and we're going to keep going to where it is deeper and where it's harder and places that we've never been before even though this makes very little sense why we would do this and therefore I'm going to ask you God to strengthen my hands once again because I feel like I'm losing grip of what you've called me to do because I don't want to come down God I know you've called me to a great work and I cannot and I will not come down but it's okay three of y'all aren't going to come down But I acknowledge it's hard to do anything when you think God's plan has somehow been thwarted and the dream is over. This reminds me of a thick cloud of darkness, a fog of fear, which had descended upon the world at one point in time. See, the original disciples had to deal with this more than anybody ever before and more than anybody ever since. The darkness of fear, the darkness of it's over. The darkness of, hey, I know what we thought was going to happen, but that ain't going to happen anymore. If you know some of the story, Jesus was crucified, buried, and was dead, and that's all his disciples knew. That was it. They didn't know like we know how the story ended. And this is over. Jesus is dead. The dream was over. The vision had died. The fog of darkness and fear had interrupted their faith journey, and they slammed on the brakes. Can I just tell you, just from a parental thing, like we tell our kids about driving, if you ever do that, please don't slam on your brakes. That's the worst thing that you could do. Slow down, move over, but don't slam on your brakes because the person behind you doesn't see you. So they, what did they do? Well, they slammed on their brake, brakes. They lost all visibility. In our text this morning, they slammed on the brakes so hard that they're off hiding. They're quarantined, if you will, because they're afraid that the same fate that was befalling Jesus is going to befall them. This is the darkness at its worst because it appears that darkness and evil has won and the dream that God has for the church and his people is over. So let's read from our text this morning in John chapter 21, starting with verse 3. I'm almost to this point. Y'all just bear with me. Almost to this point. But no, pride won't let me. Font 12. Plus, now it's font 20. All right. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Because what else would you do when the dream dies? Man, I'm just going to go fishing. Y'all, some of y'all said that before. Man, I don't, I'm, I'm just going fishing. Baby, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. We got nothing else to do either. See, y'all need to read the Bible the way that it's, that it, read it. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. See, darkness was dissipating, but they still couldn't recognize Jesus. Can I just say that 2020 caused many folks in the church to stop recognizing Jesus? The darkness of the world around us, the fear of death and illness and sickness, the division, the false hope in our own strength, in our own power, or our political alliances, all of it caused many people to believe that the fog of darkness had descended on our world and what we were seeing was the darkness of our doom. Like R.E.M.'s song was coming true finally. I know I'm dating myself. It's the end of the world as we know it. 
This is the darkness of our doom. Instead of seeing what God would want us to see as it is the darkness that always leads to a new day and our dawn. And maybe you say, well, let's just give them a pass. They, were, they weren't expecting Jesus. He was dead. But let me just say therein lies a little bit of the problem. That Jesus knew what was going to happen, had told them what was going to happen. And as disciples of God, both then and now, we should always be expecting Jesus to break through the darkness. And this was actually the third time that Jesus had appeared to them since his resurrection. So it wasn't like the first time that he's shown up. It wasn't a surprise. Take, for example, Exhibit A, Matthew chapter 28. You don't have to turn there, but it's where Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. Why? Because, you know, like we said last week, when angels or Jesus, anybody shows up, that's greetings. Don't be scared. He also says that, and they came upon, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is the dawn of a new day, not the dawn of their doom. This darkness they were in was the darkness of their dawn. And if you're not looking for Jesus, it's hard to tell the difference between the darkness of dawn and the darkness of doom. It's the same for us today, church. 2020 was dark, but it was not the darkness of doom, but the darkness of the dawn, I believe, of a new day for the body of Christ, the church. So why tell them to go back to Galilee? Why are we going back to Galilee? That was a little bit ways away. It wasn't like, hey, meet me down the street. This was a little bit of a travel, maybe up to a day's travel. Why we got to go there? Because this is where they first received their call. Hey, y'all, meet me back where it all started. And I'm going to remind you of what it was like when you were first called to be fishers of men. See, I think Jesus also wanted to show them how different they really were, even if they didn't believe it themselves, from the first day that he called them to the dawn of the new day in their life. Galilee was the location of many events recorded in the first three Gospels, where Jesus did many of his miracles, where he taught I don't, like 19 of his 32 parables. So he was bringing them back to a place where they were originally fulfilling their call to say this, like this place of Nazareth, this place of Galilee, which said nobody really wanted anything good or believed anything good could come out of that place. And he's saying, listen, let's go back to where it all started, when you guys were just fishermen and you were just out there doing your thing. And I called you and say, if dawn can break through the darkness of Galilee, then this light can break through any darkness. In some ways, the darkness of 2020 reduced us, figuratively and literally. It reduced us. We've been reduced to our bare minimum in many ways. But I believe it's a work of God to reduce us to what we do best. It's as if Jesus was saying to his church, Let's meet back to where it all started and do what we do best. Fish. Do what we do best. Reach people with the love of Christ. 
Do what we do best. Love God, love people, reach the world, fish, make disciples, make music, write songs to glorify Jesus, do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with God. God is bringing us back to the darkness of Galilee and showing us that there has never been a night without a dawn. If God can break through the darkness of the death of the Son of God, then I believe that he can break through the darkness of 2020. The sun is rising in our midst, in essence, and the mission is still the same as it has always been, the day that he called us. Don't be deterred. Don't be distracted. Don't be intimidated by the darkness. But before we get to this appearance, let's look at a couple of others that took place beforehand. That's what I'm saying. This was the third time, not the first. For example, John 20, verse 19, Jesus kind of just showed up to encourage his disciples in their failing faith. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. I mean, it's one of those moments like, what? Jesus, don't do that again. Please, why do you do that? When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, here it is, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Again, I find some of the parallels prophetic for us today. Jesus just showed up in their midst, said the doors were locked. That was a point being. He's like, the doors were locked, nobody could get in, and then Jesus just there. The disciples were living as if Jesus was dead. Can I just say to you, how easy it was for us to live like Jesus was dead in 2020. Not speaking only to people who were locked down during COVID because that's not what I'm saying. This isn't, a, this isn't a, a, some sort of undersided thing about people that, that are still in their houses because of COVID because you're watching and some of those people are my parents and others. I get it. This is not that. That's not what I'm talking about. This is somewhat parallel and prophetic to what I believe God is trying to say to us because you can be foolish and reckless and that's no better than being scared and fearful. No better. And we've had a bunch of both. But we locked ourselves in our houses. Our mentalities, our ideologies, our fears, and we were afraid, intimidated, anxious, and worried about what God was going to do next. Could he come through? And let me just say from a quarantining standpoint, we can do something for so long that it becomes less about health and more about a habit. When it comes to being a part of the church, COVID becomes less about a legitimate reason and more about a convenient excuse. Because it sure is safer in here a lot of times than how we are and how long we're here than, I don't know, Costco. When it comes to being a part of the church, God's saying, go back to the mountain of your calling and allow Jesus to break through the darkness that is trying to dominate your life. Jesus just shows up in our midst and he just comes through the walls of our mentalities. He breaks through the walls of our fears. Even though we've kind of locked ourselves into our quarantine, he shows up in our midst to bring dawn to a new day if we will just see him. Look at verse 22. It says, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You ever been hit in the stomach so hard that it took your breath away? Guys, you could think, ever been hit a little lower than the belt? And you thought you were gonna die. Can't breathe. You know what 2020 did? It hit us so hard it took our breath away. 
It literally took the breath of the church away. But I believe 2021, just like Jesus showing up in the midst of his disciples, showing up in the midst of his church, is going to breathe afresh on us since 2020 took our breath away. 2021 is a time where Jesus, God, is going to breathe afresh on us through his Holy Spirit. God's breathing on his church. If we keep reading, we see that Thomas missed out on this first appearance. And although his buddies tried to tell him everything that Jesus did and what he said, he goes, not unless I see it for myself. Can I also just tell you there are going to be people, Thomases, if you will, that miss out on what God is doing in the church right now because they decided to not be around anymore. Poor Thomas had to wait eight days for Jesus to show up again. How'd you like that? Like you, you're, you're just still struggling. They're like, we saw him. He was here. I don't believe it. Eight days of that. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. John 20. Eight days later, the disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with him, with them. Although the doors were locked, here it comes again. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Oh, Jesus, stop doing that. There it is again. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord, my God, it's you. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Guess who that is? That's you. We often focus on the dialogue between Jesus and Thomas here, but I want you to notice something else in verse 26. It's eight days later. I believe if I know my math a little bit, that that's nine days after Jesus rose from the grave and even appeared to his disciples the first time, but his disciples are still locked down, still afraid, still just waiting around for I don't know what, still bound up in fear, still hiding away. I'll go back to even what God is believed he's doing in us. If we think back to COVID in 2020, COVID, even when it's gone as a pandemic, can become a mentality of fear if we're not careful. Fear is the enemy of faith. And Jesus wants to build faith in us, his church. Yes, we should have legitimate concerns. And yes, we should do things that are wise about legitimate issues. But even beyond COVID health scares, I think about the crippling effect of multiple fears on the church in 2020 and its impact if we don't change that around and begin to put our faith in a faithful God. Unchecked fear creates a culture of fear. This leads to paranoia conspiracies, theories, and we believe lies that require a total suspension of common sense more than we believe the truth of God's word that we read with our own eyes or even the real things that we see with our physical eyes. It starts with the fear of death. And we can think about it, right? The disciples, hey, we don't want to die. That's why we're hiding away. What did COVID do? I don't want to die. So we got we to hide away. We got to protect ourselves. Starts with the fear of death and then it works on our minds and then it works on our hearts and it creates a culture of fear. And now all of a sudden we become afraid of all kinds of things that we were never afraid of before. Now the church is more afraid of becoming Marxist or socialist or anarchist than we're concerned with loving our neighbor as ourselves that we look, lock ourselves away in our fearful mentalities and we hold on till Jesus returns instead of being on mission till Jesus returns. But watch what Jesus does with who we unfortunately call Doubting Thomas. He doesn't get mad. He doesn't even rebuke him. He just says, okay, here, do what you need to do. I want to help you believe. 
And you know he does that with us. He's like, look, we all come from different places and different scenarios and different mindsets and mentalities and backgrounds. And, and he doesn't always approach everybody the same way, right? And like, here, here, okay, Brent, what do you need to believe? Okay, Gio, what, 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 do you, what do you need to believe? Go ahead. You see, God will do the same for you. He may not give you whatever it is that you're asking for, but he will give you exactly what you need to be awakened to who he is and see him. He graciously allows us to discover the truth and turns our doubts into determined faith. God will transform you into a committed believer just like he did Thomas. Not just a good church-going moral person, but a committed follower of Christ who's willing and able to be used by God no matter the cost. And I think 2021 will see many Thomases being used by God, many people who have counted the cost and say, yes, God, I'm willing to pay it and pay the price for what we saw in 2020 that prepared us for what God's going to do now. Lastly, let's look at the third appearance, and I'm running way out of time. But I want you to see why Jesus is breathing on his disciples and why I believe he's breathing on the church in 2021. The words of Jesus in John 20 emphasize that the Holy Spirit is not a showpiece. It's not an ornament. The Holy Spirit is to empower us as his church to be effective in reaching people with the love of Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. It's about a boatload. Remember, the disciples are out fishing because that's what they did best. That's all they knew to do. They've been reduced to what they know best. They've been reduced to all they've got left. John 21, just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. This is the third time now he showed up. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no, because that's how you answer when you haven't caught fish all night. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So it's dark, they're not catching any fish, you caught nothing. Maybe you caught some flack, you caught some attitude, maybe you caught a cold, but you didn't catch any fish. Can I tell you 2020 felt like we were fishing in the dark and not catching a thing? And the more we depended on what we saw in the numbers of people in the church, the more disturbed we are right now in the church. Because if it's dark, and I'm not seeing what I'm used to seeing. As a matter of fact, the fog is so thick, I don't see anything. Then I get scared. We can take this a little further and say, for those of us who are more used to walking by sight and not by faith, our very foundations are being shaken, much like the disciples are in this story. In verse 6, Jesus tells them to cast the net on the other side of the boat. Just so we all know, that's about the difference of six feet. <laughs> like, put it on the other side of the boat. You know, that'd be like you sleeping in a single bed, not getting much rest, and somebody saying, well, sleep on the other side. <laughs> are you, are, mm. But when you hear the voice of Jesus speak, though it may not make sense to your natural mind, though that it makes, may look foolish to other people, and there are often times when our obedience to God's direction will look foolish to the world around you. It'll feel foolish to you, but the haul is coming. It's about a boatload that Jesus wants to give you. So they cast it, it says, and now they were, able to, they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put, out, put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. I love this. John recognizes Jesus' voice, probably why he wrote earlier in John, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. But it was dark. Let's just cut the lights off for a minute. Hey, hey, put it on the other side. What? Who is that? 
And all of a sudden, they do it. And it's like John goes, oh, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. And they catch all this fish. They're like, Peter, that's the Lord. I, I can't see him right now. I mean, it's just a little figure up there that I can kind of see on the shore. But that's Jesus. It's got to be Jesus. I know this. And Peter's like, you're right. And all of a sudden, what they thought was the dawn of their doom was actually the dawn of a new day. We could bring the lights up. And all of a sudden, they start catching this fish. And I love this. Like, who are those that are going to hear his voice and see him breaking through the darkness? Who are the Johns that are going to hear the voice over fear and anxiety and stress? The ones who know God's voice and take every inferior voice captive and make it submit to the word of God. Like John, we don't just see God, but we hear him and we recognize him. I can't see him, but I hear him and I know that voice. Listen, you don't have to see the mission being fulfilled to know the mission and to stay committed to it. This is the I don't see, but I still believe faith that kicks in and it should for every believer. And then I love Peter's response, man. He just, it says he like, you know, he's fishing. He takes his thing and he wraps it around because he doesn't want to leave it in the boat. And he dives in head first to the water and starts swimming to the shore. It's about 100 yards. You swim 100 yards with, I don't know, burlap sacks on. And he swims. He's like, it's him. It's him. Jesus, it's you. Pastor Jim LaFoon, one of our senior leaders in Every Nation Churches, was speaking to us as leaders in North America a couple of weeks ago, and prophetically he said, be prepared this year because the Peters that disappeared are going to jump back in. But we need some people like John to keep shouting, it's the Lord. No, that's him. No, I know you can't see and you're not quite sure, but I've seen this before. The whole time you thought you weren't catching any fish, Jesus was still at work, still drawing people, still calling people. You think everybody's disappearing, everybody's leaving. Jesus has been fishing the whole time, drawing the greatest haul that you've ever seen in your life. We're about to see people added to the church in the body of Christ, not just in focus, but around the world like we never thought possible. And the other disciples instead came into the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards off. But they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with Jesus having fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them, and although there were so many, the net was not torn. This is important. Even in the midst of our darkest moments, or our apparent greatest defeats as a church, God is still working on our hearts and lives to make us more like Jesus. We must first be the mission before we go on to mission. And if 2020 did one thing for our church, it taught us that we could not rely on ourselves. The church at large, it taught us that our strength was not our own, that our power was not our own, but Christ alone. God has been teaching us to rely on him alone, dealing with our arrogance, dealing with our self-sufficiency, dealing with our pride, dealing with our prejudice, dealing with our idolatry. And guess what? Verse 11, although there were so many, the net was not torn. God 
God has done such a great work in those that are allowing him to work in their hearts through the pain of 2020. Now the nets of our relationships are stronger than they've ever been before. They will not break this time. If you remember the first time this fishing thing happened on the boat capsizing and the nets breaking, well now it's different. Smaller groups don't make weaker groups. Biblically speaking, they make miraculously stronger groups. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him who you are because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. This is now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This reminds me of Revelation 3 that says, behold, I stand at the door and knock and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door that I'll come in and have breakfast with them in essence. We've been reduced to what we do best, but church, it's the dawn of a new day. So let's get to fulfilling the mission that God has called us to fulfill. The nets are stronger than they've ever been before. And God is breathing the Holy Spirit on the church in such a way that we'll be empowered to do what he's called us to do. And it's about a boatload, the hall for the church to see lives change. Thomas is doing what God's called them to do. And Peter's returning and coming back saying, it's him, I, now I see it. Thank you, John, for pointing it out. Wherever you find yourself today, let's trust in the power of the Holy Spirit to empower us to do what he's called us to do. This is the vision that he's given us. And we're gonna keep doing what God has empowered his church in focus to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for what I believe you're not just doing in this church, but what you're doing in the church worldwide. Lord, you are bringing a harvest, a harvest of souls, a harvest of light. And yeah, it feels like we haven't been catching a thing. It feels like we're far off from the shore and we really don't see clearly, God, what you're up to. And is that you, Jesus? And, and yet, Lord, I believe you're, even today, encouraging us. It's always been me. Trust me. Now just move it, just, just this way, just do what I say. I know it seems foolish. If you're sitting out there today and there's some things that seem foolish to you, but you know God's put in your heart according to his word, he's confirmed it with you and through leaders around you and, and the body of Christ and through your times of prayer and worship and you're just wondering, uh, should, I, should, I, should I go for this? And John's around you, hey, look, that's Jesus. It's just time to, it's time to dive in. It's time to swim, run, get to Jesus as fast as you can. He's there. For others of you, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You don't even know what it's like to serve Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And in this moment, you can say, Jesus, I recognize you. My eyes have been opened. Uh, 2 Corinthians says that the, the God of this world darkens and blinds us. But I can see now, Jesus, I see that's you. Your light has broken through the darkness of my heart. And now I see. And if you'll confess in this moment and repent, Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. Would you save me? Come into my heart and life. He will change you from the inside out. And your future will never be the same. He'll use you for his purpose and his glory. Lord, let it be our testimony. Not just the testimony of our individual lives, but more importantly, the testimony of our church, the body of Christ, as you continue to do great things in and through us. In Jesus' name. 
You have been listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We hope God met you right where you're at today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you're listening from and visit infocuschurch.org for more on all that's going on in the life of our church.